Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Shintaro Higashi Show with Peter Yu. Today, we have a special, special episode. We're going to talk about who Peter Yu is. <laughs> who are you, Peter? What's going on? Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we'll, we're, all, we're all going to find out today. Um, yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm going to interview you. Yeah, that's right. Good, good, it's going to be a great one. Hope you have some good questions. Tough yeah. ones. Yeah. So to begin off, Right. I know a lot of people already sort of know you from my YouTube channel and right. you're a great uke and you're a great friend and all these different things. Uh, I just kind of want to give the viewers and the audience sort of my take on who Peter Yu is. Peter Yu is a friend of mine. He was also a student of mine at the dojo. He was one of our top black belts and he was sort of the enforcer of KBI. <laughs> right. Did you did you like that title at the dojo? I, I mean, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. But, you know, it's like I think... It it was uh it was an honor you know it was an honor to be the enforcer but I don't know if in actuality how much of an enforcer I was but yeah. what I did was I would go first and then kind of tire people out. No, so no, you, can, you gotta you can give yourself a little a... bit more credit than that. <laughs> so if you don't know what an enforcer is, every dojo sort of has one, right? A guy comes in, they want to work out, they have tons of training somewhere else, and they're sort of like, hey, let's you know let's work out and. You know, look, it's kind of a bad look when a guest comes in and beats everyone at the school. Right. Right. So if they come in and usually these are our first line of defense, which is like our brown belts and then, you know, our <laughs> yeah. guest beats up on the brown belts. Right. <laughs> and then Peter sort of comes in and then. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I guess, challenger. Yeah. I'm not I'm not that big. So a lot of people, you know, I, I look a little unassuming, I guess. So, yeah, yeah, I can kind of surprise them sometimes. You're kind of the best yeah. inf type of enforcer because you're 73 kilos, right? You yeah. fought at nationals when you took seventh at nationals. So you were 66 kilos. So you were yeah. 150 pounds, essentially. Yeah. Right. And then no one really expects that much out of a 150 pound person to be like, right? Normally, enforcers are heavy. They're yeah, big guys. Right. They're bigger guys. <laughs> guy comes in, throws everyone around. It's like, all right, get the big dude from by the back over here, right? And then yeah. if your sensei is young, if the enforcer goes down, the sensei has to step in. Right. But if the sensei is over like 55, 60, then it's like, okay, you know, they get yeah. a pass. Right, right. right. <laughs> so you need to develop your enforcers at the dojo. So Peter was an enforcer of ours, right? Always good. Had technique. He was tricky. And we had a couple others sort of right. in the ranks. But Peter was a very, very special person at the dojo because yeah it was just like a very special time in our lives that we sort of met and you were at the dojo right right the early 20s mid 20s whatever you know we're hanging out in new york city um just you know working out and i we talked about this right like friday night practices and yeah. whatnot just and it wasn't just that we like hung out outside of the dojo a lot you know, yeah. I would always invite you to my parties. You yeah, would invite me times. to your parties. Yeah. <laughs> I, I used to like throwing parties. You know, yeah. I think those days are behind me now. Yeah. But yeah, it was, he, Shintaro was always at my birthday parties, Halloween parties, whatever, you know, yeah. all those things. <laughs> and it's a special time in my life too. You know, what people don't realize, it's like, oh, I go to the school, the sensei's there, and he is this, that, this, or the dojo is this, that, whatever it is. Yeah. But a lot of the times, it's sort of when they are in the cycle of the dojo, right? Mm -hmm. If the teacher is in his 20s and started taking on the dojo and teaching the schools, and they're capable of going out and hanging out with some of the students, I know a lot of people have different feelings about that, right? Mm -hmm. And I was always pretty good with the boundaries with, between right. the students and the teacher. But there's some people sort of that break through those boundaries, and you were mm -hmm. definitely one of those people. Mm -hmm. And I was at the time in my life where I had the time to be able to, right? Because right. I didn't have a kid, right? I was just doing judo and teaching judo. So you were sort of like the perfect fit. You were a smart guy, <laughs> right? And then How about that? <laughs> yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about your academic background and all that stuff and what makes you so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, essentially, you sort of became this person that sort of became irreplaceable because now I'm in a different phase of my life, running a different phase of the dojo. Right. Mm. Deep in your 30s, you get married, have kids. Right. I'm not married, but if you have kids, I have a kid. Yeah. Right. That takes up a little bit more of your time and you're not afforded the same type of right. uh, ability to interact and let people sort of come through those boundaries. Right. right? Yeah. And I think, maybe, yeah. Yeah. You're completely right. Like, I think we, it's like a serendipity i guess like we we were at the same we're in the same city doing the same thing together around this like at when we are at the same stage of life yeah. you know just you know a lot of time to hang out and whatnot 
And also, I think because of that, now we're kind of moving on to the new stage of life together in a way. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm married now. You have a kid. I'm settling down. <laughs> <laughs> Although I moved away from New York City, but we still keep in touch and we all, yeah, I, we can still talk about things. You'll be back. You'll be yeah, back. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. It's great, man. It's because the timeline stuff is real. You know, my yeah. father, who's known to be very stoic, he had a Peter too. We talked about this. Like, a, oh, yeah. He had a friend named Peter. And I remember somebody, you know, in the dojo family, he's my father's a lot older, passed away. Yeah. And he saw his old Peter from his like days of his 30s. And he was so happy. Right. right. He like ran up to him, was like, oh, my God, Peter. And they were like holding hands, <laughs> jumping up and down, like kind of like my three-year-old daughter right. does, you uh -huh. know, at, when she sees her friends at the park. You know what uh -huh. I mean? So it's like, oh, man, like my dad had the time to hang out. And he right. you know, spent a lot of time with this friend, right, doing judo. And that's what we were. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I had more that's time. Right. You had more time. Mm -hmm. Right, you were working as a programmer in the city, and you'd come to the dojo three or four times a week. Sometimes right? five Even, times. So, like, we would see each other yeah, almost every day. Every day, we would train, we would work out, and then we would talk about judo, and we would talk about life afterwards. And then, you know, little by little, your wife started chipping away at my time. <laughs> <laughs> that's, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We also live right next to each other in the city, out in the Upper West Side, like literally a block that's right, away. That's right. Because you were on the Lower East Side for a while, like uh, Midtown East. And then yeah, you, Midtown like, East. You know yeah. what? I'm going to go closer to the dojo. Yeah. And now it's like commute after the dojo. It's like right. dinner, walk home. Right. So That's right. It was like sort of the perfect storm of like being in the same place, mm -hmm. like minded individuals. Right. And right? We, we would hit up the uh, local like dive bars. Yeah. All the time. And yeah, it was it was a great yeah. good times, man. Yeah. And it's like I would times. like to have something like that now, too. But it's like my life position, my life kind of makes that a little bit difficult. Yeah. Because right? it's like I have to go home to my kid. You know, if I go home now, mm -hmm. then it's like, I could, you know, put her to bed and all this stuff. And now you're gone. And. You know, little by little, right? The dojo is like this living, breathing thing and it changes right. and it evolves, yeah. right? Maybe when I'm 45 years old, I'm a little bit jaded. You know, maybe when I'm 55, I'm like, oh, I got to teach Osoto again. Holy moly. <laughs> and you know, you just, by the time I'm 60, I'm just like sitting on the sidelines, just hanging out, right? Yeah. And you just, maybe you'll get yourself yeah. a Lamborghini. Ah, yeah, <laughs> right. Can you imagine? That's, I'm in the wrong business for that. <laughs> But yeah, Peter, you walked into the dojo uh, late, right right after college. Right. You moved 20, to New York. 2013, summer. 2013, yeah. man. So I've known you almost a decade. Yeah, almost a decade. It's heading up there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this, this episode's going to be all about you. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's first off start off with your judo journey. Right. Can you tell us all, a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, so it's I my family's not, you know a grappling family. I was the first to first one to grapple and it started with uh, wrestling in high school. So I just had a friend, group of friends who were wrestlers and they, um, my high school was actually not good at wrestling. And then actually the wrestling team was kind of, uh, was, di uh, this disbanded. is in Michigan. Yeah. It's back in Michigan. It kind of disbanded for a year or two, but then my friends tried to make, uh, bring it back. So he invited me to join. So I just went. I didn't really know what wrestling was. Except how many for kids on the team? Uh, it was like it, we barely had enough to fill the dual meets. Really, no depth or anything. Oh, wow. It was like a new okay. new program. But I really liked it, and um, so I I started in my junior year. So oh was, wow, yeah, very okay. late because I uh I my main sport was soccer in high school, and I That's still right. play soccer. Yeah, um, I love yeah. watching soccer, playing soccer, but. Anyway, so then I really liked it. I just, I, I, all I could bring to the table was just hard work, just trying to yeah. catch up, you know. I only know, knew how to double leg, single leg, and yeah. fireman's And you were carry. Korean born, right? Yeah, you Korean, Korean born. born yeah. You came over when you were. I was a young 15. Teen. Yeah, I was yeah. 15. And I. Moved. Well, so you came over when you were 15 years old, and then. Yeah. And then picked up wrestling. And then. Right away. Right away. Yeah, wow. pretty much. And then. Did you like that? I did. I, I did. I really liked it. And then my mom was actually kind of apprehensive about it because she thought I would get hurt. But then she mm. liked it because I started taking care of my body better, you know, like yeah. e eating right and, you know, trying to make weight. And because she Were you always, the quintessential skinny Asian kid in high school. I was not skinny. I was uh, I was just uh, I was about 140 pounds in the high school. 
Yeah. Um, five nine. So it's, I wasn't like skinny. Yeah, skinny. skinny. Is that skinny? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I, I yeah. never thought myself as skinny. But anyway, so and then I I I really got into it. A senior year, the coaches made me captain just because yeah. I was working hard and whatnot. Uh, then at the end of my uh, like after the wrestling season was over, I wanted to continue to do this, but I knew that I wasn't good enough to wrestle in college. Yeah. And I didn't want to cut weight or anything. So I was looking for some mm-hmm. other grappling sports to do. Yeah. And I, I watched all those, you know, this was when the Gracies were like going hard on the marketing yeah. online. So I watched those old videos and I was like, wow, BJJ is something I want to do. So I went mm. to a local BJJ gym, learn, try to learn. But honestly, I didn't really like it because I yeah. even in wrestling I was a tech takedown guy. Yeah. So and you know in BJJ you you, you don't really I guess it's bit it's been it's, it's ground, changed yeah. a little bit but even then yeah especially then it wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. So then I did more research and then uh, I I stumbled upon judo and you know there wasn't a lot of judo content uh, in in the like in the English speaking world, especially in America online back then. So yeah. I actually went to see a lot of videos in Korean because uh-huh. in Korea, judo is, is you know, been yeah, very judo's popular. popular. Like they have like yeah. regular TV shows where they have judo champ versus yeah. celebrities, right? I've seen some of those. Those right. are like amazing. Could you imagine like Lady Gaga goes out there in a gi? I know. And she gets bombed or something like this. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Things like that happen. Yeah. And, you know, judo it's is awesome. quite popular there. So I, and then, so after I graduated from college right be, I, in high school before I started college, I had the opportunity to spend three months in Korea just to yeah. hang out with my dad because my dad was working in Korea back by then. Yeah. Now I asked my dad to put me to a judo gym and I basically... Uh, in the during the day, I would just go see uh, stuff, you know, hang out with my friends, and then at five o'clock, like six o'clock rolls in, I'll go to the local judo gym. So you're at this point, how old are you? I was uh, like eighteen. Eighteen. And that's when you started yeah. judo. Yeah, yeah, nice. right after high school, and then I'll yeah. spend like four hours a day, five days a week for three months. Oh wow, uh, that's pretty just, intensive amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like a. You know, it was I wasn't on a team or anything. It's a local dojo, but the, that dojo was known to pr- uh, send kids to Yongin um, uh, Yongin University. He, he yeah. the the owner was a Yongin grad. Ah, uh, yeah. He'll, For he'll, those of you who don't know, Yongin's one of the best judo universities in the world. Yeah, they even I've heard people even call it judo university in Korea. Yeah, they have. You know, you can major in judo. You can even get yeah. a PhD in judo. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a lot of Olympians actually. PhD in judo. Yeah, you can write yeah, a dissertation on like, you know, the mechanics of Uchimara, how to teach it well, <laughs> things like that. Yeah, abstract. I did judo today. I hurt my knee. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and how to prevent it? <laughs> yeah, data. Uh, I know eight guys that hurt their knee. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, um, so I trained with a lot of high school kids. Tr- yeah. who are trying to make it to the university and then some of the alums like who are college yeah. kids and Jungian will come down and train with us. So it was a, it, yeah, it, very, I have a lot of good memories from there. I actually still keep in touch with the, some of the people I met there, including the Great. owner who yeah. is now the coach of the, uh, the Paralympic team of Korea. Mm. Very nice gentleman. And then, so... I actually, they, in Korea, uh, you know, Shodan is really, it wasn't, it's not like a prestigious thing. It's, if you yeah, know how first to. First degree black belt. Yeah. Yeah. If you know how to do judo, they're like, okay, you're good. And then they yeah. give you. So I, because I had some wrestling under my belt and I picked mm. things up quickly, the owner was like, you know, I hear, you know, I'll get you a Shodan yeah. at the wow. end of summer. So that's why I came, and then I came back to uh, the States and I could. I went to college. So you're the equivalent yeah. of that guy, the Brazilian guy that goes to Brazil on a jiu-jitsu retreat and comes back with a box. That's right. I kind of did that. So for you know, funny <laughs> thing, I for for a long time I didn't tell people this because I did that. Some people would think think yeah. exactly that. So I, well, now for, the whole world knows it. 
I know. Now it's out there. But you know, now you're good enough to you could even support it. Yeah. It's so funny because when you came in with the Korean on your gi and all this stuff with the black belt, everyone was like, oh my God, who is that guy? Uh, There was a gift from my, uh, uh, that that gentleman that taught me, the first sensei. Nice, nice, nice. But yeah, I, (laughs) they, uh, so I went, came to the States and then went to college and I, I went to a local dojo. Yeah. You know, at the YMCA, YWCA. Yeah. Is this and when you went to Princeton? Let's talk about that. Yeah, that's right. I, <laughs> I do. I'm surprised you haven't brought that up yet. I, well, you know, <laughs> I knew you, you usually do that for me. So, yeah, yeah. So, you're so, at yeah. the Princeton University Judo Club as well, right? Yeah, Princeton, not University Club, because, uh, um, so at Princeton, it was an interesting thing. So, there was a student club for BJJ. Yeah. And there was a local club at the Y for judo, so I mm. did both. So I would oh, you did both, nice. Yeah, yeah. So I would, I was like, uh, my buddy uh, Mike and I would run the student club. Uh, he was the president, and I was the VP. So I would, I would just like teach class, like run some practice on Fridays, and then like on I think the classes at the Y was twice a week and I'll go to those. Nice. Um, nice. So after class. Yeah. And it was kind of a, it was a little lonely uh, because really it was just uh, a handful of people who even knew what judo and BJJ were. Yeah. I mean, um, we had some wrestling kids coming in to train with yeah. us. Time I mean, time. like Princeton has a pretty good wrestling program, right? Yeah. So, so uh, we had actually, uh, one of my friends on the wrestling team, Andrew, he, yeah, he would come and train with us a lot. He was, he was very talented. He's this guy from Hawaii. He actually yeah. did judo in Hawaii because yeah, there's in, tons Hawaii, of in Hawaii, apparently it's a high school sport. Yeah. So, yeah. Crazy yeah. amount of judo over there. Yeah. So that, that's how I went. That's how I trained in, uh, in college. And I did compete here and there, local tournaments. Yeah. I went to Liberty Bell one. But it's a tough, mm. you know. There's no team, so you yeah. have to do everything yourself. No one's on, no one on my sideline to coach. Yeah, it's pretty amazing yeah. how like you stuck it out through that time period. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to do a sport like that by yourself and go to competitions by yourself and be driven and motivated to keep at it. Like, what kept you going? It's that's a good question. I actually was thinking about that the other night, um, and I mean, it's a, a lot of reasons, but. Um, like the superficial reason, I guess it's that, you know, I did, I just didn't want to quit. You know, I really, yeah. I, I kind of like that I have this skill to yeah. defend myself and also, yeah. you know, get in shape and whatnot. Well, another thing was, you know, now I look back and then I'm, I guess I know a little bit more about life and whatnot, but yeah. uh, the biggest thing I got out of judo was that I, it was, it's been a very humbling experience mm. in a way. And, you know, because in high school and even through college, I was I thought I was this hot shot. You know, I was pretty athletic, and I got yeah. I got into good college and whatnot. But and I, you know, my mom actually, who knows me, well, one of the people who knows me the best, right? Like he, she would warn me, like, "Hey, don't get too cocky. You have the tendency to do that." Yada yeah. yada yada. But then judo kind of put me to place in a way. Like you, you, you have uh, all this older people who've been doing judo who yeah it's humbling experience time. yeah they don't they don't look athletic and whatever but you i've experienced so many times when i would go randori with them and i can't even yeah. do anything you know yeah i like how that that was the one humbling experience like yeah i'm smart i'm athletic i got into <laughs> princeton just better than everyone i did judo and i got thrown like oh man i'm humble now <laughs> no i mean, it had a lot yeah i guess that <laughs> It, so, it might sound funny, but it had it had a lot of like a huge impact on me, and I, yeah. I wanted to keep that made me want to keep going because I wanted I like in a way I wanted to be like those uh, you know wise old men in a way yeah you know it's just and women you know that um, but yeah I did and then also I really liked the community it was very close knit you know yeah. For sure, um, all the things that would keep people in sport, right? Mm-hmm. 
So what did you study in college? I mean, I know all these answers because right. I know them pretty well, but for our viewers and listeners, right? so this is I, good because if I, I could ask you questions that I forgot about you and then I could cloak it and like, oh, I already know it, but, yeah. you know, like. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, so I, I studied computer science. I've nice. always wanted to become a, a programmer from early age. Yeah. So, I, so what made you want to do that at an early age? Like that never appealed to me. Like what, <laughs> what about that appealed to you? Was it your so, parents' influence or? So a little bit, I guess I, um, so my dad was an engineer and by trade. What kind of engineer? He was a material science engineer, scientist. Yeah. Uh, interesting. I knew that. <laughs> I might have mentioned it to you here and there, yeah. but, but he eventually moved on to management quickly and, you know, he's mm. more talented in that than yeah. being an engineer. Anywho, he's a big timer, isn't he? Yeah. Well, he's retired now, but he, he, he climbed up the ladder and then he, get you know get as high as it could be it's pretty amazing he reminds me kind of like elon musk right elon musk is like an engineer by trade but Uh he's a ceo right Right. and uh it surprised me because when i went to your wedding uh you know the socially distant wedding (laughs) (laughs) your father gave a speech and boy did he blow it away he was amazing he's such a charismatic character right right? he he loves doing that he 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 thrives in that kind of environment and you know it's 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 good to see yeah and so he influenced me a lot he you know in that way like uh my interest in science and math and then my when i was uh in elementary school my mom bought me this uh uh comic book about bill gates yeah, how, yeah. <laughs> that's the nerdiest thing i've ever heard I know. in my life <laughs> i i used to love reading about you know science and these yeah. people I, I have always been interested in it but she bought me that for random reason i, I hadn't even really heard of bill gates really by in I, elementary school mind you yeah i mean yeah i knew how to use windows i i play computer games yeah but i didn't know who bill gates was it's amazing it, man Anyway, so that that book, I I was that was one of my favorite books growing yeah. up. Like that character, his life kind of mesmerized me. Yeah, and when he would like walk all the way to the other side of town just to code at a computer because it was available, that kind of stuff. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, he 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 would sneak into his school with his friends to code all night. You know, teach yeah. teach themselves how to code and you know, later became rich and then now he's a big philanthropist mm-hmm. and all that. It yeah. just fascinated me. So I was like, you know, what? I want to become like that. I want to become yeah. like Bill Gates. And yeah. yeah, that's how it started. And um, middle school, I mean, there wasn't a lot of, right nowadays it's really easy to teach yourself how to code if you're motivated yeah. enough because there's so much free content out there. But yeah. I mean, I, I'm 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 not even that old, but I guess the field is so fast moving. But back when I was in middle school, yeah. like I couldn't find anything um, to go off of, and especially yeah. in Korean, I didn't speak English back then. Yeah. So so I, it was hard to teach myself how to do that. But then uh, in middle school, I I randomly. Uh, I, there was a, like a local bookstore that I used to go a lot, and then. I randomly saw this book on C++ yeah. in Korean. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, mom, can you please get that to me? Get that for me? I know, wow. it's weird. Dude, like, I was yeah, like, you, you, I cannot believe how nerdy this, this conversation I, yeah, is. Yeah, I was a nerd. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's just, I was Holy like, moly. oh my God. But my mom actually didn't want me to get it for me at first. Cause Why? She, she thought, I, I don't know, maybe I should talk to her for a bit. But she, I think she thought it was something else. Yeah. Yeah, but... Anyway, but eventually, <laughs> what, she, I, what could she think it was? I mean, like I guess maybe, C plus plus. Like, who knows what that is? You know. Yeah, and back also, in the day, I think right? she was kind of worried that I was getting too into computers. Like, I was, yeah. I, was I was spending too much time on it at some at some point. It's a good it, balance that you were doing grappling, you know, to round you. Yeah, up. I, I, I honestly, that's one of the things that I'm most thankful for moving to America that I could become a more balanced person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in Korea, I wouldn't have had a chance to. Yeah. Even try wrestling or, you know, it's, it's, sure. you know, like in Japan, you know, it's, well, yeah. I think Japan's actually better because in, in middle school and high school, everyone kind of does bukatsu, right? Like this club activities. Yeah. But when you're stuck in that club that you're done, that's what you do. Oh, really? Especially if you get pretty decent at it, you know, now you're a lifer. 
Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, especially When, if you go to school that's good at that particular sport, like you're in it. I see. Judo yeah. guys are going to be judo guys forever. In Korea, it's like that too. I mean, it's kind of scary, yeah. right? Like you, you, it's it something you, scary. Do, you do in middle school and then if you're good, you're like, okay. You're done. That's it. Yeah, you that's your life judoka. profession. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At least in America, it's like, I have a fall sport and a spring sport and a winter right. sport. And I play basketball here and track there and I don't have to do any of it if I don't want to. And I could go to exactly. any college that I want and I could kind of mess around and drink and, you know, hang out. <laughs> Yeah. I think it, there's some virtue in that. Like it, it, it really helps with the exploration and whatnot. Yeah. But anyway, so I, yeah, that, and I try to teach myself C plus plus. It's, it's, it's a hard language to for. Yeah. It's a hard language to learn. So I, I, I didn't do anything fancy. Just yeah, put, putting stuff on on. What were some of your favorite things you've built on C plus plus? Back then, I didn't really build much. I just, it, I was happy to just have my computer print print some text on the screen mm. and that's about it really i i learned the basics you know pointers and then you know whatnot yeah it, eventually it helped me because now if, now it just i move and then i moved to america and my high school actually had programming classes i right, so you took that yeah and i devoured it i i had so much fun there and then the teacher was great miss yeah. mr fraser Oh yeah, give him a shout out. Yeah, he's retired now. He was an old gentleman yeah. back then too. But yeah, I mean, he was a he was a very popular teacher. He was so nice and calm, yeah. and you know, good with kids. And he taught me, uh, you know, the basics, right? Like the, that's like the first class I uh, first programming class I took, and yeah. I like devoured it. I, I I even I even took I finished two classes in one semester because nice. I liked it so yeah. much. So what do you what is it about program that would like really was a draw for you like just the idea of like being able to tell a computer to do something or? yeah i think that that's a, i think that was the biggest uh appeal for me um yeah the fact that uh there's something that i could uh like this mystery machine right like if you yeah. look at it it's like a magic machine but you can actually control it like every mm. single behavior i mean it's, yeah. it's a machine if you drill down to it it's all zeros and ones yeah and and another thing now after i got better at it the biggest appeal is that this is like a it's a very creative exercise mm. uh you know it's kind of like woodworking except there is no physical constraints you can build anything you can think of interesting um yeah yeah so i love the feeling when i like click on the email icon and my email comes up <laughs> no, it's, it, you know it, and then if it's not even like you can't even script you like for example when you learn excel and whatnot in school and you know yeah. you know if that's programming you know that's yeah. how you use the you know tools available to make the computer do what you want to do you know yeah. i mean and then when everything clicks it, it feels good right and then if you go a little further And then study it more and practice more. You can have this liberating feeling, a very like creative uh, feeling where you can, you, you feel like yeah. you can create anything really. So what is your favorite thing that you've created? Uh, through my teenage years? No, just your whole life. Oh, in programming. Wow. You know, I had a lot of fun. This kind of goes into now my interest switching from not just programming to AI. Um, I built a chess engine based on the alpha zero like algorithm. Nice. Um, yeah, you, I remember you, yeah, you played it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you win? I forget. Uh, I can't remember. I want to say I did, but I don't remember. I think you did because <laughs> that, back then it wasn't, it, it wasn't that good. Um, that was a lot of fun because I could, I read all these like, you know, cutting edge research papers. Yeah. And then I referenced that I, I had to tweak it a little bit because I don't have enough computing yeah. resources as uh, deep minded. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's really cool to see that. Oh, wow. I, I barely yeah. know how to play chess, but I created yeah. something that plays better than me. Chess That's really me. interesting, man. Like, I don't know much about programming. The only thing I know is pretty much what you tell me. <laughs> right. and i just based everything off of that 
But it kind of blew my mind when you were like, yeah, my engine ran through 10,000 simulations already. Yeah. Right. In such a short amount of like, wait, wait a minute. Your chess engine played 10,000 games already. Right. And then it was learning every single time. I'm like, right. wow, that's really kind of blew my mind. Yeah. It's just, uh, it, it blew my mind too. And, yeah. and I, I could only, I mean, I could do this because as a field, it's of, it had advanced enough for people like me who yeah. were beginners at that time to implement something like that. So when you were doing that, did you create something new? Like, did it? Did your engine do something different that no one else's did? Or? No, no, it wasn't any novel, anything novel. Um, it was um, so. What DeepMind did was that it it created a system that could teach itself how to play chess without ever having human input. Um, mm -hmm. But for me, I mean, I don't and. The algorithm they develop requires a lot of computing power. Yeah. But I don't have that. So I had to kind of shortcut it and then just use uh, human play data, you know? Mm. So I, yeah, so which, which requires a lot less because it's more directed approach. It's a more yeah. directed approach. So that's what I did. I mean, it, that's nothing really. Um, yeah, it's nothing. Uh, novel about it really interesting yeah. interesting i've heard something about like uh chess there's certain you know there's lots of different combinations and all this stuff but like go right is one that's a little bit more complicated go yeah you you do need more computational power um yeah because there's more combinations so i i originally wanted to build a go engine yeah but i i just couldn't because it, it's not enough yeah there's not enough uh data or computer computing power available. So when you're me. thinking about like, all right, I want to program this next or that next Do you, I'm sure some people are one camp and some people other, do you try to like find something that's already been done to make it better? Or do you want to just come up with something completely different and new? Um, so I'm actually learning that process as a PhD student. Um, Ooh, you're getting a PhD. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah the, we can talk about that later too, yeah. but it's, it, I, I would say usually what you want to do is, build uh go off what other people have done and then yeah try to make sure. it better um like every other scientific paper right it's like oh yeah, I, I this mean, thing and you reference that and then you design right. your own thing yeah it's it's really um i mean judo too you're not gonna you know it's a whole process right you start simple and then you kind of grow it up to yeah the point and then you all you know your work your you have your own novel strategies in judo yeah. But, you know, they are based on Kano's work or your dad's work, you know. Yeah, yeah. Right versus right has already been done. Right versus right. left mostly been done. Now there's Georgian judo, Mongolian judo, and you look right. for patterns and you try to integrate it and make it kind of your own. And you're not reinventing Tayo. Right. It's already there. You know, you're but, not reinventing back and forth attacking or reaction things. Yeah. But that's exactly how science is done. You, mm -hmm. you know, you have to read so first you want to read a lot like you you do with judo you know watching all these different mm. videos and uh theories I, mean, I actually don't really watch that much oh really or, or yeah i don't really i'm not like a, some people are like hey did you see the thing i'm like not really though how do you how do you keep up well you you exchange ideas with other people too right like i do yeah you know yeah. i like watching like uh i have like a couple of instagram you know mm -hmm. channels that i follow it's very scientific <laughs> and then if I see like a highlight reel and if I see something I haven't seen, then I'll go watch it. And then every now and then like a major, major tournament, I'll watch some matches and see if I see anything new. And if I it, see something completely out of the blue and new, then I'll like be like, okay, right. I got to learn this and study it. And then I'll try it on my own. Oh, that, I mean, that's exactly what happens in science. Yeah. Like you, you, you don't read all the papers you read, uh, you go to, you kind of keep up with journals and, you know, conferences yeah and talks and then do you, you do just, a lot of that stuff i do now because it's yeah. part of my part of the job now and yeah you know you got to learn how to oh okay just read the abstract quickly and if it's interesting you go and read the intro and the conclusion yeah a little more to see if it's relevant and then if it's relevant you read the whole paper more de in more detail and take taking notes kind of like you what you're read, doing uh, have you ever read satoshi's article about Sato bitcoin 
His original. Oh no, paper. no, the 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 white paper. Yeah. Have, did I like? I remember I did read the white paper and yellow paper for um, Ethereum because you told me so much about it. Yeah, I, I was did read that, that for a hot second. Yeah, yeah. Um, not Bitcoin, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. But I know I did read Ethereum, and I thought it was quite interesting. Yeah. I don't know if it's... it's amazing that you could read that and understand it, like the Ethereal virtual machine and Ether and gas and all this stuff. I'm like reading it. I'm like, man, I have no clue. I, I mean, I, I I didn't really get the nitty gritties well either i mean you just yeah i mean you, you but i guess in some aspects i could kind of imagine oh like yeah. i could see how they will build these things because i you just think know. like a place like ai can have in like sport you know like judo or something like if you had someone manually code like this is the code for uchimata throne this is the mm. code for weight and then you do like a regression analysis and then it just kind of constantly runs. Like, do you think that'll ever happen? Well, I because think... you know, they did that in baseball a little bit, right? Remember, you ever see the movie Moneyball? Yeah, because they, oh, they use statistics. Mm-hmm. So, right? baseball is a is a very statistics heavy sport, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. easy to collect data, like because everything is kind of term based in a way, right? And yeah. you can you can keep track of all the data mm-hmm. that way, and. So that's why at baseball, it's, I heard this from a, a friend who was also a programmer and also a baseball player. And he said, yeah, this uh, Moneyball, things like Moneyball happened in baseball first because there was just so much uh, data around. Mm. And soccer is trying to do that. There are like data analytics companies that, you know, collect data from all yeah. the play, of all the players and whatnot. But it's a little harder because soccer is so uh, it's still real time, and you know, it's now they have this uh, calculate things like expected goal over the yeah. game, like how how many yeah. goals a team was expected to get, mm. whatever. But with judo, it's so dynamic, and like you gotta come up with the metrics, I guess, before you yeah. could actually. Because right now all the algorithms are very data hungry, so you have yeah. to collect this data, and that would be a, a monumental challenge, I think, yeah. especially a sport like judo, because so dynamic. Can you, do, can you do like okay, right side versus left side, right? You can calculate I, the person which side do they attack more, right? And then you could use that as a data point. Can you use like person who puts their hand on first? Mm-hmm. Can you use that as a data point? I guess it's it's tricky, right? Because yeah, it's that's what they call like. I guess it's it's what they call like feature engineering. You have to mm. come up Ooh, with these that's features. Interesting. Yeah. Feature yeah. I mean, but that you know, you you would need experts like you, domain experts like you, to kind of guide the process. Like, okay, we have this. Yeah. We have a lot of video data, right? Yep. From IJF, and now we have to kind of the current status of the algorithm is that you need a lot of label data. Yeah. Meaning you have to some someone has to go in and then like. Okay, this is Uchimara. This is right versus right. This yeah. is left versus right. Things Oof. like that. Very time consuming. I'm not digging on that job. Yeah, <laughs> and that's a, a, a like a dark side of AI right now because uh, a lot of uh, people, a lot of companies rely on this label data, and then they have these uh, people called data annotators. Mm-hmm. Who have to be quite skilled. They have to yeah. know the domains well and then be trained uh, to label these things. But you know, a lot apparently uh, the treatment is not so good across the board. Yeah, like they don't get paid enough and whatnot. But yeah, but right now, hopefully, I'm hoping that eventually we'll get over that and then we don't need as much data. Yeah, interesting, interesting. But so, what yeah. are some of your uh, small projects that you're working on these days? small projects well i i mean i don't really have time to do side projects that much besides this yeah um this is like oh yeah podcasts and kind of (laughs) helping you out with the blog and yeah yeah, producing these podcasts yeah and and then uh i guess my research is in so yeah like i i after working as a programmer i started my phd program just now Um, yeah and my research is on natural language processing and cognitive architectures. Um, mm. I can go a little bit in 
Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that in layman's terms, though, because I don't think most yeah. people are programmers. <laughs> no, yeah. So natural language processing is about, you know, making machines that can understand natural language, which is human language that occur in that in nature, I guess. Like yeah. How we talk, how we write. Mostly now this, this excludes like, para yeah, okay, so it's all textual. Well, natural language processing usually focuses on textual, yeah, because yeah. it's just the easiest form to deal with. And yeah, then but the, and if that's you want, yeah. limits sort of, uh, so like my initial master's degree, my first master's degree mm -hmm. is in teaching English, right? Teaching mm -hmm. language to other speakers. And then we had this thing called second language acquisition. It was like a class for, you know, like learning about language acquisition. Right? Mm -hmm. And there was like a statistic in there by this guy, Noam Chomsky, or somebody like this. Chomsky, <laughs> probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's kind of famous, right? Yeah. And then it's like uh, most, you know, communication is nonverbal and paraverbal and words only account for X amount of percentages. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, you know, you've had, or I know people who had relationship with Brazilian girls who didn't speak <laughs> a lick of English or Japanese, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then uh, you could communicate. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah, you're really you're right but the field right now i mean they're trying to make so yeah as a field they're trying to incorporate a lot of these modes of communication yeah. right sound and you know yeah. whatever but then it's right now it's hard because even speech recognition is a different field because audio data is completely different from textual data so there are whole swath schools of people who are trying to take the audio data and then transcribe it into text so that other algorithms can process. And even human gesture recognition mm -hmm. that's in the computer yeah. vision side, and they are working on how to do all this. And then mm -hmm. I guess the, the goal eventually is to, you know, combine all of that, like you said, and make a system that can incorporate all kinds of information to understand so us. So is Apple going to win that battle because that little microphone that's facing us is always on and they're always <laughs> collecting data and they're always looking at the way, right? Because uh -huh. well, now maybe. they're probably listening to us so they have textual stuff, right? That gets converted. That's pretty, mm. that's already been done. All right. right. And then intonation, they have the data for that and then they have the visual data. So now they can, right. they can really, they're ahead of the game. But you know, I heard it's like, okay, yeah, eight, Apple, yeah. But like the phone carriers, the Verizon, right. and TNT, because all that data gets pushed through that. Right. Like those, so, those are the ones with the real power, right? <laughs> if they can, I, mean, I don't know the legalities of that. I'm pretty sure that it's all legal. And I mean, but even they if can they do whatever they want, they could do whatever. Say, let's assume that they do collect the data. Yeah. The problem is we don't really have a, you know, com the computing power, the uh, algorithms, algorithms advanced enough to effectively process all of that into a single like model or agent yet. So there's companies yeah. like Palantir who sort of like Palantir. Yeah. Yeah. Pa how do you pronounce it? Pal Palantir. Palantir. Yeah. That was Palantir. I think, uh, well, I, I actually, I had some friends who worked there and I actually applied and I, I got rejected. Really? Oh I, shoot. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. I did get rejected, but it's, it, they've told me it's pronounced Palantir. Yeah. Okay. So Palantir, right. They have yeah. a, so they can collect all this data. Mm -hmm. all the different sources can they scrub it and use it in a way where the way we're talking about like have, do they already have the technology to do that technology to ingest all this different data well i mean like just what we're talking about uh well i don't think we're there yet um i mean it's coming from a first year phd student so take that with a grain of salt but yeah uh, i as a field, well, I, I haven't heard of a, a technology that's capable of doing that yet. Yeah. Mm. And it's, it's, it's usually, I know, you know, people can go on and onto conspiracy theories. Oh my God, CIA yeah. must have something. NSA must have something. Well, it's the, this problem is so big that a, no single organization will be, would have the resources to solve it. Yeah. So right now the move is that, okay, let's just, make it as open as possible all the results and research so yeah. that as a whole community we can solve it and then we'll worry yeah. about how to because it's not just about figuring things out now we have to have people actually implement it at scale that's yeah. what companies do and mm -hmm. we're not even there yet we don't even know what to make 
It's crazy, man. Like I uh, took a data analytics class in my right. MBA and then the professor was saying like, yeah, I work for this thing. And uh, I worked on the case with the Facebook IPO case. Mm-hmm. He's like, we had to go through petabytes of data. Right? Yeah. Like, I'm like, what does that even mean? You know, like yeah, it, I, it really blew my mind. Right. Like, can you right? I mean, how big it, are these data sets nowadays? I don't even, well, Facebook, you know, they track av- everything. Yeah. And because so, I interned at Facebook when I was in college and then, so it's changed a lot since then too. But at that time, it was before the time of deep learning and AI explosion that we have now. But their advancements, their, so Facebook makes a lot of technical contributions. Yeah. uh, And at that time, their main contribution was how to store the petabytes of data and and uh, is it petabytes or petabytes i have no idea i i just i've only said peta what's the next level up i don't know zeta no 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 zeta zeta bytes (laughs) i don't know so how does that go bytes kilobytes megabytes no don't cheat don't cheat i oh that i know up till terra all right can you give it to us there's a a byte kilobytes megabytes gigabytes and uh terabytes and probably petabytes after that terabyte petabyte you sure i'm not sure i think so <laughs> oh boy and that they're all like th- about a thousand times bigger they don't make you learn this in uh phd 101 they do uh oh i i learned in undergrad but i, I just forgot because yeah. i never really use them more bigger than terra right now yeah you know it's Right now, yeah, I, I'm, I, yeah, I don't have the means to deal with like petabytes of data. Only right, so, what are you what are you learning right now? That's very interesting. In your right program. now, one I, thing quick. I've been let's really, do like a rapid fire thing. Rapid, rapid fire? fire, okay. Yeah. So right now, I've been learning all about a lot about actually human cognition, like psychology, mm. yeah, neuroscience about it, because I want to be inspired by that to make machines think better. Yeah, so that's been very interesting. Yeah, will machines ever really... be able to feel? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a, a very hard question because what what does it even mean to feel? Like, how can yeah. we actually define that? What I don't know. are feelings? I don't know. <laughs> and I've I've uh, listened to some talks, but I think you know the whole question about consciousness and feeling, yeah. and yeah, I don't. People don't even know. Because you have to be able to define it, you know, exactly to be able to talk about it. So Mm. if you could ask Steve Wozniak anything, what would you ask him? Wozniak, I would say I would ask. hmm. Because he programmed too. Yeah. I love how Tim Cook never, not Tim Cook, uh, Steve Jobs Jobs. never programmed anything. Yeah, he's not a programmer. Wozniak was... Well, I think he's more of a hardware guy. So I, maybe yeah. I, I would ask him about, like, I would want to hear some candid answers from him about his relationship with jobs. Like, nothing <laughs> to do with programming. <laughs> how they worked. Because I think that's, I, I, all the technical stuff, you know, it's, it's amazing. But I think the more interesting stuff a lot of times is, you know, human, human relationships. Yeah. Because they're I mean, such I, different people. You know? For sure. I just assume it was like me in the MBA class, like, oh, we have to do the Excel spreadsheet. Like, hey, you know how to do it. Can you please help me with this? And has it already been done? And that's what they say, huh? But like, you know, to me. Jobs is Bill Gates said Jobs is good at marketing and inspiring people yeah. to work. And Wozniak, well, Jobs didn't say anything about Wozniak, I don't think. But I mean, Bill Gates. But Wozniak's more of the guy who knew the techno- technologies and put everything sure. together. Sure. Yeah. All right, so if you were to interview with Elon Musk and he asks you the question, uh, the interview question, what is the biggest problem that you've ever solved? What okay. would you answer? I think, wow, any problem, right? It's, it's not just technology. I mean, you what would want it to be an engineering thing, right? Right. I think, okay, this is getting a little technical, but, you know, it's, I guess at my previous job, you know, I, had to which one Etsy or ASAP yeah ASAP yeah and we had to 
kind of re-architect our servers, and that was the biggest, yeah. What was I, the problem? Well, so ASAP does custom, customer support chat with AI models on top of it, and mm. we had this chat servers. Yeah. So if you kind of, I'll, I'll go very briefly, chat servers have this real-time component, right? Because you have to you know, send chat messages yeah. in real time. But then most web servers are not real time in the sense that you just make a request and then yeah. the server just sends something back. Mm. So those are very two different modes of communication. And then they have to, uh, when you grow it, you have, they, you have to do different things to optimize for each thing. So you have to, we decided that we need to separate them out. And that was all a big undertaking because you have to like, the, pro, uh, the biggest challenge with production systems is basically you have to fix and then re-architecture a car while it's driving. Yeah. Because you can't break anything. You can't take the system down and work on it. That's what they do with, we could, that's what they have to do with buildings or something, right? Yeah. You can shut it down, but with these servers, you can't take them down because it'll be, you know, business will be done really so yeah and i think that's the problem with also like airplane control systems too right because they're mm -hmm. running on 1970s technology and airplanes yeah. are constantly flying they can't just be like all right shut airplanes out honestly man they should have shut this thing down and done it and revamped it during the coronavirus pandemic like i yeah, was thinking I've been, I've been thinking about it non-stop i'm like man march hit air right. travel was down 80 percent now is a great time to update all the technology and try to implement some of these things you know, uh, they did, uh, New York City did, did that, that with uh, L, a subway. You know, remember L, L line was going to be like under construction for two years or something? Yeah. But they did, they finished it over the pandemic. Really? Yeah. Man, I don't hear about any of that. Because uh, what did de Blasio you know? do this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Cuomo is in charge, you know. Oh, with, all right. I guess he did something good there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, because, you know, they could only work on weekends and, you know, odd hours, why not? But then because of the pandemic, they could work every night. Because remember, I, mm. I, I think it's still the case. Subways close at night now, right? Yeah. It used to be 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, they kind of destroyed a lot of businesses but you could go get some yeah. food in greenpoint now you know i know that's the plus right is i'm upside Boy, there right hang out with the the gentrification gentrifying hipsters at williamsburg that's right, <laughs> that's right. all right another question right uh how many windows are there in new york city oh good <laughs> that's like I, a tech related why why do all these tech companies ask that question actually tech companies don't ask those questions anymore a lot i know that a lot they used of, to they used to they used to ask yeah. a lot of brain teasers yeah but they it they say um you know we're not hiring programmers to solve brain teasers yeah they just ask them coding questions so you know what i would love questions. i would love for if someone asked you that in an interview question mm -hmm. and they're really you know wanted to know your thought process and explanation but you just gave such a specific hard number with absolute confidence you know, confidence wins sometimes, right? It's like forty-seven million three hundred seventy-six million <laughs> two hundred seventy-one. Not one more, not one less. <laughs> like, how would that fare on in an interview? You think? Well, they'll probably ask. Confidence? Like, I mean, they would probably say, "Okay, well, how did you come up with that number?" I just think like, I just know you don't. You don't know what you don't know, and you just don't know that I know this. And can you imagine you said that and got into the philosophy of knowing? Uh <laughs> they'll probably well i guess it depends on how you play it off but some yeah. it could go either way some people think oh my god he's a he was a massive asshole all right or, if you did that like, in a playful way and then if you were like bah i'm just kidding it, and then it really you'd be like I'm just, I'm just joking it's actually and then you went like 37 billion 472 million <laughs> <laughs> it depends and then on you the, got a laugh i it depends on the interview some people are really serious you know some people yeah. take it lightly i i think i i used to take things like when i was interviewing people i thought i i was taking things lightly some, what was your favorite interview question that you would ask people who you're hiring well i i my interviews were no fun because i i was in charge of the technical interviews so i would mm. ask programming questions 
Give me a technical programming question that you would ask me on an interview if I was applying for a job for you with you. So I like these kind of questions. Like, okay, you know, I'm I'm so at ASA we were building chat servers, right? So yeah. okay, we need to build a chat server. Can you can you kind of walk through the design? How you would build a chat server? Yes, the answer is twenty seven billion four hundred thirty two <laughs> million seven thousand forty three. Um, okay. And well, that's my final answer. <laughs> I was like, I'll, I'll be like, oh, okay, thank you for your time, I guess. Are you serious? <laughs> I, I failed? <laughs> no, I will probably ask, okay, like, where? what's that number mean? And mm. yeah, well, how does that work with the chess over you're trying to build? Yeah. yeah, it just does, man. It just does. That's why you hire yeah. me because you don't know and you need my knowledge, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh and i'll be like oh my god I, we do oh my Hire. god yeah <laughs> anything else you want to talk about what do you want everybody who's listening week after week right because their numbers are pretty good right you're the mastermind yeah. behind this podcast <laughs> well, um well about the podcast i guess um i let's see about the podcast specifically or something else a little bit of both, right? I want, right. you know, so how's the podcast doing? Let's talk a little bit about that. And then like, what do you mm -hmm. want our listeners to, to know about you? Because this is the whole thing, right? Who's yeah. you? Right. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm actually, first of all, want to thank everyone who's been listening. And I'm, we, we definitely want this to grow. And I, this is, I had never produced a podcast before, you know, I, I had only started listening to podcasts only recently. And um, so, you know, I would love to hear your feedback, you know, about the sound qualities, all the production related th things so that I can be better. And also we're like, we also, I guess I wanted to talk to you and the audience about, you know, if you want to keep things, everything judo related or you want to, digress and talk about other things and then maybe have guests over for other topics yeah. or not. and yeah and then if you guys have tips for me about podcast production and I'm what do you yours. want your listeners to know about you uh well i am i guess um I love judo, but also I love other things, you know, yeah. AI and whatnot. So if anyone wants to talk to me about AI, you know, anything like that, I'm, I would love to talk to you. Um, plug your Instagram. Instagram. I don't have much on that. It's yeah, plug it. Plug it. Well, my Instagram is, uh, Peter Kuno. Kuno is my first name. Uh, Peter is my middle name. Kuno is spelled. K-E-U-N-W-O-O. -O. So you can follow me, Peter Kuno. I usually, oh, I, I ski a lot. That's another thing. Mm. I play, I, I love playing soccer. I, I like skiing. Yeah. So Remember I that usually, time you took me skiing and then I, I was snowboarding and then you took me up that black diamond? It was a black diamond, man. I would never do that. Well, we but, went down the blue square. Right. But we went up the main lift and that was very That's scary right. for me. Yeah. That was if we went to the highest peak of Hunter <coughs> Mountain. Yeah. You did really yeah. well, like for the uh for a person who had never snowboarded before. Yeah, I'm just very athletic, so yeah. <laughs> it was a we had that video up on YouTube on my YouTube channel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and I have a little clip of me snowboarding too. I took all out the parts where I was falling over and I couldn't even stand and I just used like snippets of the parts that are good. Right? That's Put right. Yeah. <laughs> It was a, it, it's it was a fun time, but yeah, I, I you know I I I ski, I play soccer. I haven't played soccer in a while. I love watching soccer. My favorite team is Arsenal. I think we had mentioned that here and there. Um, we're kind of struggling up right now, but hopefully things will get better. Yeah. And um, I live in Detroit now. I want to give a shout out to your wife, who's a doctor sure, on yeah. front lines of fighting COVID. Oh yeah, well, my wife was uh, an intern at Lenox Hill. Oh, there's a oh, during the pandemic, so that was kind of scary. Um, but she, you know, there's a Netflix show uh, called Lenox Hill, and they had a pandemic special episode, and my wife's uh, in there for like a 
a few seconds. Yeah, that's so, right. I saw it. I was like, this, oh, right. shoot. Yeah. There's so many Asian doctors in there. I was like, I don't know which one is. <laughs> one of them. <laughs> yeah. And then she, she now is a, a dermatology resident at Henry Ford. Nice. In Detroit. Yeah. Nice. Good. Amazing. Nice little that, shout out. Yeah. That's kind of why yeah. we, you know, a major reason, one of the major reasons why I moved here and started yeah. school. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice she's so busy so you could do this with me and go online and hang out and talk. I know. <laughs> That's all we do while, you know, I'm home and she's working, you know, treating yeah. patients and I just, I just bullshit with Shintaro. Yeah. I love doing that. <laughs> That's where it's at. All right, Peter. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I think we know, yeah. everybody knows you a little bit better now. I mean, I knew everything from this conversation beforehand because, you know, I talk to you all the time. Yeah. But it's nice to get you out there. Right. I'm sure people are wondering who is this guy? Who is Peter? You know, maybe so. maybe people will like me less because this mystery factor is gone now. But hopefully, yeah. hopefully that's not true. <laughs> no, they probably like you more now. Hopefully. So thank you everyone for listening. Please tune in next week, Mondays, right, Peter? Mondays. Yep. Yep. Every Monday. And uh, have a good one, guys.